0: Guys, thanks for tuning into Ballistic Strength Radio. Just want to let you guys know, give you a heads up here that we have a kettlebell competition coming up September 10th. That's the Sunday um, here in Nanaimo, uh, British Columbia. Uh, it's going to be held at Island Optimal Health and Performance Center down on Dufferin Street. Uh, registration will be open soon, but not quite yet. We haven't got the website completely up and running, but, uh, when it is, we will give you guys a heads up through social media and all the usual channels. If you happen to have any questions, please just give me a shout. You can contact me at ballisticstrengthdenaimo at gmail.com. This particular event is going to be, uh, held somewhat in partnership with the local weightlifting club, the Hercules, uh, weightlifting Olympic weightlifting club. Here in Nanaimo, they're going to be having their Island Invitational Olympic Weightlifting Championship on the Saturday, and we'll be having our competition on the Sunday at the same location. We'll have a number of sponsors. Uh, We're going to have prizes for top podium spots, and we're going to try try and make it a real fun event. So please make sure you mark that on your calendar and uh, give me a shout if you happen to have any questions. That's it for updates, guys, and stay tuned for the following podcast. So, um, we're back on Ballistic Strength Radio and here I have Charlie Fornelli, um, Canadian pro lifter, who's joining me today and we're, we're going to get down and dirty talking about some, uh, progression type stuff with kettlebell sport. Um, we'll go over things like the snatches and clean and jerk, all the basic lifts, um, and so the focus is, is really going to be, the question I pose to Charlie is, can you improve at snatch by just performing snatches? So literally just doing snatches, a full snatch in your kettlebell training and no other additional accessory work, like no swings, um, no, I don't know, basic overhead stability work, um, nothing special. Uh, So what do you think, Charlie? Can you improve at the snatch by just performing snatches?
1: I think you have to... I mean, if we're looking at different levels, of course, um, you know, early on, yes. And I think... Now, are we including things like swing snatch or glove snatch? Are you talking just straight traditional snatch sets.
0: Just snatch sets. So um let's say it's someone who goes to a kettlebell class and they do the basic lifts but they don't break it down like like a technical coach might.
1: Yeah. I mean, I certainly think like I say up to a certain up to a certain point 100% just working on that technique now of course as long as you're working on the technique in an effort to be better at the technique you know i think that's very important like that's the difference it's not like you know you can't just go up and do crappy snatch technique you know poor quality technique and you know yeah you might be able to squeeze out a couple extra reps you know you might be able to hang on a little bit longer or Maybe you get more comfortable with the feeling of your skin tearing off, <laughs> um, but uh, you know at at a certain point you're just you know for me I always call it you know I call it you know you're you can only juice an orange so much before all of a sudden you're just getting pulp right so in that end yeah you do have to uh, I think you do have to build technique at, up to you know at a certain point you have to break it down to some extent.
0: Okay. Presuming that it's a coach that's going to help you break down these movements and t- and tell you to do the specific drills. Let's even back it up a little bit and talk about the beginner who's just kind of training on their own. Do they even really know what good technique is? You talk about, well, you're practicing as long as you're practicing with good technique. I remember when I was, when I did my first, Um, a Gatsu certification. Now that's something more or less completely different than kettlebell sport, but, um, you learn the the basic swing. And so up until that point that I took the, uh, course, I thought that my two hand hard style swing was pretty good. And I look back at it now and I had it all wrong. Um, it couldn't be further from what it looks or feels like now but i thought i was doing a pretty good job uh even if i think about the sequencing of it i was just completely wrong my quads are just snapping and 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 locking into place way too early and long before my hips came through and everything about it was just wrong but i thought it was right so
1: well i mean i guess there that's absolutely you know the challenge right, right? Okay. of course is training on your own um i know f- you know, and, and I don't want to get all get anecdotal and everything like that.
0: No, please, get anecdotal. Um,
1: <laughs> but I, I know, like, say, for myself, um, I've always, I think for myself, it's always been so, not numbers focused, but it was always, like, in my own head, it was always, what am I doing wrong? Like, that's what I was always trying to... That's what I was always at, at, at the best of my ability as I progressed. That's what I was always trying to look for, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I had some help along the way. But in terms of, you know, the the little technique changes that I've made, I've made those, um, and especially, like you say, I got into from the hard style fitness end of things. And, uh, you know, but I... I came across videos of sport lifters and I went, Whoa, you know, how come they can do that? And I can only do this. And so I started looking into, you know, from my own end, trying, you know, looking for more detail and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, long story short, I think, I I think it's very difficult to do it on your own. With only snatching. Yeah. Because, and and the reason I say that is you don't have that person to say, you know, just to really say, hey, you know, you need to make a change here. You need to make a change Mm -hmm. there. Or geez, you know, like, try doing this. You know, it's, it's a little bit too much where somebody is trying to intuit it without having, you know, the base to use intuition, you know, um, and, and I think that's where, you know, if if your intuition tells you to do, you know, like you say, this big heavy knee snap, you know, and your hips kind of following through behind, then that's, you know, then that's going to be less than ideal. You know, if you're, you know, if the way that you're turning the kettlebell over into your overhead and, and all those kinds of things. Right. So, you know there's where you have to start being a little bit more you gotta be a little bit more uh accessible when it comes to using some of those those you know working on things like swings and and you know playing around with those different mm-hmm. aspects of the lift
0: um back when I was still just learning the swing and doing the whole Legatsu thing, it felt very much like. Swings were completely different from snatches, a different beast, uh, which were completely different from cleans, et cetera, et cetera. But now I come from this viewpoint that it's, it starts in the same place. I need to make sure I'm getting that hip connection and having that flow and, uh, and using as much effort from the hips so that my arms don't have to do as much work. But I remember things like, um, trying to figure out what was important for the two hand swing. And that those things were different from trying to get a good snatch. Because I remember the first snatches I was doing, um, I went to this uh, kettlebell uh, gym or kettlebell centric gym uh, back in London, Ontario, where I used to live. And uh, I remember doing my uh, kettlebell snatches for the first time with the 16. And the weight wasn't so much a challenge, although looking back, um, I did a lot more practice with like the 12 when I tried to re-engineer it. Um, mm-hmm. But in the class, you know, you, you look like a capable capable guy, so we'll give you the 16 kg. And I just remember, you know, it being demonstrated so effortlessly, and now I'm doing it, and it's like it's banging the back of my wrist, and it's just feeling, like, awful, and it's not feeling smooth, and it's just so hard. I'm sweating, and, um, and it was such an effort. But uh, anyways, getting to the point here, uh, I always thought that, and this is a thing that I kind of see in beginners is that when it comes to the snatch the 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 biggest comment on that is how do I keep the bell from banging on my wrist, and so at the beginning, it seems like that 's the most important part at least in the eyes of the p- person doing it, and that 's almost what I at least used to primarily. Uh, zero in on as the first thing that I would help them fix as opposed to now I might be more focused on helping them get that hip connection um mm-hmm. but uh yeah so now I kind of take that approach where it's like no these things all come from the same place and in order to have a good insertion you need to make sure you're not manhandling it uh from the onset out uh, coming out of the backswing because if you're over gripping, then getting that insertion is going to be that much harder.
2: Yeah,
1: well, I think you know it is. There's a a lot of those things. You know, like with so many different things, so many different things in fitness and exercise. You know, your brain says, "Okay, I want to avoid this, so I'm going to do this." But in you know, in many cases, those two things are actually making it almost worse in a lot of ways, especially if you look at it in the long run, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a squat, you know, if you've got a bad back, you know, I hear it every day. Oh, geez, my, I got a bad back. I can't squat. And then, you know, or they'll say, oh, and I have to be really careful when I squat. And then they squat and they sit straight down and their back is all arched out and they're, you know, you know, compressing the hell out of their discs. And, uh, you know you kind of go well geez you know you could just do that and sit back and have a nice relaxed lower back and you know and all these things right where by being that vertical it's actually probably making it worse on their back in the in the long run maybe it feels okay for one rep but once they get comfortable and it's the same thing like you know you get somebody new the first thing they think is man this thing is smash me on the wrist and I don't really like it. So, yeah, you kind of have to go, you know, there's this temptation to go like, geez, OK, we need to deal with this risk thing just to be able to get people to stick around long enough or to be willing to kind of stick with it enough mm-hmm. to get past that. Now, I do think, you know, there's a plus with that's one of the things I like about using wrist guards and stuff like that, because, you know, it does give people that little bit of a. You know there is a bit of a buffer there as they're learning you know and you know things aren't really turning over that well but you can still focus Mm -hmm. on you know the proper you know more proper technique driving through with the hips instead of being as worried about you know softly landing it and doing you know, just all sorts of the things that we see people do to avoid the banging of the bell on the wrist.
0: These days, we're very much in the habit when we run our classes of having people put on the wrist protection. We have extra guards and stuff. And that um, it does exactly like you say, it, it, it addresses those issues and helps kind of keep them coming back for more, so to speak. Um, and so uh, coming back around to that uh, whole thing about, well, do you work on getting the insertion right and not having the bell banging on the back of the hand or do you focus on the more principal fundamental things of the hip connection, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, and I remember asking you one time about this idea of the kettlebell rack crunch as it's uh, sometimes been described where you're in the rack and just before the jerk, as you're loading in that first dip, um, uh, some people coach to kind of cave forward and drive the elbows deeper for the jerk or for the, the bump or the lift off. And I asked you, is this something that you've heard other people do? Is this, you know, how, how popular is this method? Do you think it's a good idea? And you were of the opinion that it's probably good for beginners. And when I look at some of the ways I teach a lot of different movements it does seem like there's this there's this way that you approach training beginners and the way that you approach training more advanced lifters and I was speaking to uh Raf and Mirac Korkowski they're the local Olympic coach Olympic weightlifting coaches here and um and they described they had a a phrase that I really liked for coaching the advanced lifter is that you're less focused on necessarily hammering in the basic drills and particularly more so leading up to competition, you're really focused on fine tuning, fine tuning the athlete. And I feel like that's probably the difference because there is that assumption there that the advanced athlete has the fundamentals and we just need to fine tune. And maybe that's the Mm -hmm. difference. So for the beginner, who's uh, conscious about the banging on the back of the hand, maybe we need to address that first. And then, after they kind of get that out of the way, maybe we need to dial back and then focus on the fundamentals. But do you think that's correct or do you see problems with that? Well, I think, I
1: think it's correct. Um, I think you just have to be careful of what you, what you consider the fine detail and what you consider the fundamental. Um, Cause I see, it just seems like a lot of people are starting to, uh, not maybe not as much with the jerk, but with snatches and, and cleans. I see a lot of things that are being, you know, turned into fundamentals. But I don't really think that they're fundamentals in terms of, um, you know, for, for an individual. I don't think it's a tenet. Is what I guess what I'm trying to say. Like I don't think it's a basic tenant that you that you do your clean thumb forward. I don't think it's a tenant that you um, that you clean thumbs back. You know that you supinate or neutral grip. Like none of those things. I would call that a style considered. thing.
0: I would call that a style.
1: Exactly. But what I'm starting to see is a lot more people are 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 almost teaching. You know, it's like, okay, I teach thumbs forward, and that's the right way. Or I teach supinated, and that's the right way. And I don't really agree with that. And I'm not saying that that's what everybody's doing. Mm -hmm. But I think we just have to be careful what we are considering and how we're teaching that. So if we're focusing on simplicity, like you say, focusing on the fundamentals, then absolutely, you know we don't need to be as focused on um, you know those real fine details you know it doesn't matter if your toes come up during this part of the snatch or or if your heels come up what matters is that you're finding that that rocking pendulum or what matters is that you're you know you're you know you're getting the pull from your hips instead of pulling from your arms things like that um, you know finding those that like you say the fundamentals the foundations of the lift and then you know we have those little bit of kind of offshoot minutiae stuff that everybody does individually from a style point of view or or how they you know complete their their lift Mm -hmm. um like you say you you kind of started out with with the crunch like i've never taught that um me personally what I think the only thing I don't like no, I shouldn't say the thing I don't like about that and where I've had people kind of misconstrue or misunderstand what I've tried to tell them is that it, it can kind of encourage a like bringing your hips up instead of bringing your elbows down. And I know that that's not really what, what the drill is even saying you know what you're saying with that idea like the collapsing or caving in the middle but it's just that that's what a newer lifter oftentimes will pick up they'll they'll pick up okay i'm trying to get my hips down or i am trying to get my elbow down i'm trying to crunch forward but what they actually end up doing is they sort of fold kind of meeting in the middle and then they drop back into a posterior pelvic tilt their knees bend, they load their quads early, you know, and they start robbing from their bumps. Um, So that's the only thing for me. Like, I try to, as best as I can, get people working on, you know, as little excess because, as well, that can impact how they're breathing and other things like that, right? So I try to focus on start from the breathing and then kind of build off of that. Mm-hmm. And then, you
0: know, maybe that that's one of those, nice maybe that's one of those things where you have a lifter who's more or less got their, you know, technique or whatnot under control, um, or at least the basic form and, and they can put in a decent set. And it's one of those things that, you know, that there's still, uh, progress to be made. And you say, why don't you try this? And then you judge whether it's good or not based on the feedback. So mm-hmm. you have them try the crunch and then they do some sets and maybe they say, Hey, that really works for me that I feel like that's really allowing me to get that connection. Or they might say, I feel like that's just screwing everything up. And then you make that judgment call where it's like, okay, we're either going to keep this or we're going to drop it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things. Yeah, and I
1: think yeah, well and I think you know with that, you know uh, some of those things can even be it's almost it's almost the way that a person learns too, right? Like um you know if you maybe you teach that that crunch and you really connect it to that that initial exhale breath, that that nice quick exhale breath on the into the first dip And then you teach that bit of a crunch, that kind of, you know, uh, crushing of the can, if you will, with that exhale that is going to, you know, release some of that middle pressure. And it's going to just remind them that, yeah, I, I might be kind of doing this crunch aspect, but it's also tied in with that exhale breath, which is as well just naturally... You know, anatomically, it's letting off pressure in the middle, which is letting my elbows stay a little bit better connected. You know, those kinds of things. So tying those two together can be, you know, probably a more effective way. Um, honestly, like when I I've been, I see a lot of people who still have that breathing challenge, and uh, and it, and it has a big impact on. On how they're able to stay connected.
0: How early should uh, that in be the, instituted? From the onset, well,
1: I think. I mean, I think yes, from the onset, but but it but it's not necessarily that you need to teach you know the way that again this stylized form of breathing where you know some people are doing you know double breaths in the bottom of the snatch or some people are doing you know you know just different breathing rhythms and their cleans and things like that like i don't necessarily think that you need to have somebody go maybe you break it down completely but when they're performing the jerk again there's there's that that foundation for me when you're going overhead it's inhale you know mm-hmm. and you're hammering the heels down exhale you know yeah and then what happens kind of in between there that's where we can build on you -hmm. know but i think we get a little bit too um there's a little bit too much in terms of um i don't know i just see a lot of people who've been lifting for a long time with that kind of backwards breath you know so it's a hard one
0: i haven't um Really, I remember watching some early Steve Cotter videos of him talking about different snatch breathing techniques. And I find that these days I don't really go into complicated breathing on the snatch with any of my people. But um, a kind of like a staple in our training is, you know, I'll schedule in some jerks and I'll just say two up, two down, two breaths up and two breaths in the rack. Two breaths overhead, two breaths in the rack. And I'll just get them to practice kind of keeping a pace using the breathing. And I won't really get much more deeper into that. And then sometimes we'll play with that number and we'll say three up, one in the rack. So that kind of stuff. And just get them realizing that you can use your breathing to pace yourself. But we're also looking for, especially the people who are weak overhead. Okay, I want you to spend a little bit more time overhead and just try and find relaxation, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, no, for sure, and I think, you know, that's those are good ways to, to remind people that hey, breathing, you know, you know, it has a purpose, you know, and that per, you know, there's, you know, of course, there's the there's the the direct purpose, which is you know taking in oxygen and all that stuff, but what is oh, good, is that it what it's for? Do? Yeah, right. <laughs> but what does it also do? Good quality diaphragmatic breathing. You know, it's keeping your system calm. You know, it's keeping you from going into panic anxiety states. And I mean, I see. You know, this is one of the things that I'm working on with a few people is is keeping that relaxed breath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're if you're breathing and you're panting and you're, it, it's going to it's going to get your system elevated, right? It's going to get your heart rate up is gonna get probably you in a more stressed state, right? So I think being able to breathe, like you said, being able to take those nice controlled breaths in the rack, nice controlled breaths overhead. And, and I, I mean, that for me is the biggest thing that, I mean, one of the biggest things that I teach in all of my fitness stuff, you know, whether it be working with cardiac people or if it's working, you know, I just try to get people working on their breathing because everybody, well, not everybody, but so many people have such flawed breathing. It's
0: amazing sometimes. It's, it's incredible. They just, sometimes you're doing something and they just don't breathe. They literally just don't breathe. Partially because I guess they're just so focused on what they're doing um, yeah. because it's, it might be something that's just so new to them. And then other times it's just out of habit. They're just They're holding their breath. And it really negatively affects so many aspects and personally for a lot of things, especially with single leg stance stuff, I feel like if you hold your breath during like say a single leg deadlift, chances are you're toppling over. I try to get my people to really avoid holding breath on things like single leg deadlifts because... Um, I, that's one thing I pay attention at. If they, if they're having, if they're losing their balance consistently, I watch their breathing. Chances are 9.9 times out of 10, they're holding their breath. And then I get them to say, I say this time I want you to just exhale as you go down, just trying to relax as you're descending into that, uh, deadlift. And it can be the other way around. It doesn't have to be down, exhale on the way down, but, um, and it really just cleans it up.
1: Well, I think, you know, breathing, You know, without again, without sounding obvious, it's super important, you know, Um, and and it's as much about just getting people aware of their breathing as it is about, you know, this necessarily being this correct breathing rhythm. You know, I think, yeah, there probably is that, you know, certain certainly in, in certain scenarios. Yeah. Breathing this way is better than breathing that way you know, like, and I'm talking in and out, you know, in during this part, out during this part, but if you have somebody just consciously thinking about their breath and not just panting away or holding their breath or any of those things, that's, that's going to be a big factor right there. And then same way we can start to, look at you know as we get at a higher level and more advanced then we can start playing around with more detail and say okay now it's time to start actually playing with your breath rate and fine that's where the fine tuning
0: is and the and the preparing for competition getting that pacing
1: yeah that's the thing right and you know it's like you said with with snatch like it doesn't you don't need complicated breath you know you might you may you know, gradually evolve or progress into a more complicated breathing style. But as you're developing, you know, it's simple. Exhale, inhale, mm-hmm. you know, do it, do it in a controlled rhythm. Mm-hmm. And your body is going to appreciate it. You know, you're going to stay calm, all those things.
0: Okay. Let's come back to snatch and specific drills. One thing that I used to do uh, a lot and have my people do was high pull to a snatch, build up the height and then go for the snatch. I never do that anymore, or at least I rarely do it except for, except on a case by case basis where someone is just consistently lifting the bell with their arm overhead. And then I'll be like, okay, well, Obviously trying to get that hip thing going isn't really helping you build that height and that initial impetus to get that weight moving because you're still just lifting it with the arm. If you're going to lift it with the arm, let's get that elbow up there first and get you trying to move into that lockout as fast as I can get you to do it. And then maybe we can come back to the hip thing. Um, Do you think that's acceptable or do you think there's a problem with even with that going back to the high pull and using that to teach snatch? And this might be now this, I think this also touches on the thing where it's like, um, that discussion of, I wouldn't call it a debate, but the discussion of elbow out or elbow in. So elbow out mm -hmm. being very Valeri style and then elbow in being, I guess, more a contemporary style.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, well, it's certainly something that, that I used to use. Um, I don't, now i will i'll you know i would definitely add that i don't work with a ton of different lifters um so and i don't end up doing a lot of kettlebell stuff with a lot of people but in the past absolutely i would use that because i it like you say it gets people thinking about keeping the bell in tighter and, and yeah if again we're i think we are If we're going to talk about, you know, newer lifters, then absolutely. Let's talk about newer lifters and say, okay, if you're going to pull the bell up with your arm, I want it to be in the right place. Because odds are, I mean, let's be honest, if you can grab a kettlebell and you can lift it overhead with your arm primarily, Mm -hmm. it's probably not that heavy of a bell. You know, and if you keep that bell in tight, you keep that bell in tight as you're going up into that overhead position i don't care once that bell gets to be you know a 20 kilo or certainly a 24 kilo you're no longer pulling that bell up with your arm overhead not for any more than a few reps and you're gonna start getting that just that natural feedback from a heavier weight right um you know we know that there are some benefits there there are benefits to using heavier weights in certain scenarios when teaching mm-hmm. because it just forces people to be more you know engaged it forces them to you know to be more aware of oh i get this whole arm hanging thing and Hope, you know
0: hopefully I'm hopefully it doesn't always work though yeah i mean even if you look at some olympic well, even if you look at some olympic weightlifters you still have early arm pullers before they get the hips all the way through. Right. And there we're talking about, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred kilo. So, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I
0: mean, there's that might be the more advanced lifter.
1: Exactly. Right. And, and I think that's the thing. Um, it's all about, it's all about just building things up and progressively adding. I mean, you know, the, the first question was, can you get better snatching? Yes. Just snatching. Absolutely. Hundred percent you can. Um, you know, the problem is you you know how many like I, I don't know how many people I've actually seen who didn't do better on a snatch number because they weren't strong enough or because they didn't have enough quote unquote grip endurance. You know, it's not it's I mean, it's never that. It's never, you know, it's never Oh geez, you know my grip just isn't strong enough. Like, how strong does your grip have to be? You know, I guarantee I get out snatched by guys that I can deadlift a heck of a lot more than. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee, you know, you know, if you think of it that way, I guarantee I can out snatch guys that I can do a longer farmers carry with. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's it's technique, it's grip efficiency. You know, it's it's just having that you know that fortitude to being able to hold on to the thing in that same way and not deviating your grip just to avoid the discomfort all those kinds of things right Mm -hmm. It's, it's hand being able to handle that that repetitive stress yeah you know so it's all those things and so that's why i say yeah i mean snatching is big um and it's a huge part of my personal my training i mean I do assistance drills, but my I do glove snatch and I do swing snatch and I snatch. You know, I don't do I don't do wrist curls, I don't do, you know, band finger stretches, I don't do farmers carries, you know, I barely swing. Now that's not saying that I shouldn't do any of those things. <laughs> it's just saying that I don't and I don't see the benefit in them for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, my best, my best snatch numbers were from just purely snatching.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, now we actually practice probably three or four different types of swings, um, all focusing on different aspects that I think from person to person might be more effective at looking at how they swing slash snatch because it's leading up into that, um, Uh, than another so things that we'll focus on are swinging just for the basic getting that hip connection and following through with the hips so that's one way we'll do the swing second way we'll do the swing is uh, doing the swing for height so we're still incorporating the hip drive all the way through but now we're trying to get a little bit of lift we're trying to get a little bit of height on that bell getting it maybe chest maybe chin maybe even face height um, then there's that one thing that Sergei Rudnev does, which he does like a swing and insertion, like part way up, or he even does like insertions at different stages. So an insertion at maybe chin level, eye level, and then over the head, like leading up to the snatch. So we do that every now and then I don't make it a staple. Um, and, uh, so those are basically all the different ways that we'll practice doing swings. And uh, some of those things make more sense to other people and some of those ones, some of the other ones make more sense to other people. Um, so that's kind of how I like to break down doing drills primarily for the snatch. Now, I I found that now I've re-engineered my snatch, God, I don't know how many times. Um, and it stands to reason that the drills that you're doing for the snatch, now those are all very specific Drills, but they're also... Now, you can do a swing, multi, you know, different ways in terms of just directionally. So you might be a more straight-on swinger, and then you may be a more diagonal swinger, for example. Mm. And that is probably going to affect the way that you do your drills and the effect that they have. But now that I've converted more towards that kind of rocking uh, diagonal swing that we've talked about. Um, the, the very, it's almost, it's that very much that Denizov style snatch swing, um, where he's kind of rocking forward, then rock back and come up and do it. Um, I've adopted okay. that style now and, um, I've had to alter that swing training slightly, but the basic principles I still use there, but definitely swinging and getting the hips all the way through feels a lot different when doing the rocking. Cause it's almost like, I almost rely less on the active glute contraction and almost rely more on the counterbalance.
1: Yeah, for sure. So,
0: Absolutely. and just making sure that I throw my chest forward at a sufficient rate that I'm, I feel unloaded in the grip and then rocking back in yeah. time with the bell to get that feeling of like, I'm not using my arm at all.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I get that for sure. And I, I mean, you know, again, that's the thing. And I think, like you said there, the, the difficult thing with glove snatch and swing snatch, especially for a lot of newer people, um, when they first do them, including myself, when I first started doing glove snatches, um, when I started, when I glove snatched, I my technique was completely different than my regular snatch. And I started to realize that, um, but you know what I mean? Like, is like, you have to be, if, if you're using these things, you know, to, to, to develop that, that lift, then you got to make sure that, yeah, things are as, you know, close to what you're doing as possible. Now, sure. Doing a swing in between a snatch is never going to be the same as doing a snatch, but why, why are you doing the swing? Right. Mm-hmm that's that's sort of i guess the question you ask yourself for me i do the swing snatch because I still pull the head i take the bell overhead for 10 minutes or however long time frame is but it's not that full pull it's it's a little bit easier on my hands on that like my actual skin my calluses um but it's 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 still a reason pretty good grip wear, especially if I'm going at a faster pace or I can do a slower pace and spend more time overhead, you know, those kinds of things. So you just have to be, you know, really mindful of, OK, what am I trying to get out of this? Like, why do I do a glove? Well, I get to snatch and it's easier on the hands. You know, not on the grip. But it's easier on the hands, it's easier on you know your nervous system because you know it's not a seventy pound weight, it's a forty-four pound weight or a thirty two or thirty six or whatever, right? hmm So from that end. Um but yeah, it's I think snatch is it's just such a nuanced lift that you can't you you really can't spend too much time working on those nuances. You know, and you can't you can't muscle through them. At least not, you know, when you're trying to, you know, move from seventy to eighty reps, eighty to ninety, ninety to a hundred per hand, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you can muscle through from thirty to fifty and that kind of thing, but eventually,
0: you know, yeah, the rubber's it, gonna meet the road. And uh and and more to that um for the longest time i was staying around 150 maybe hitting 160 snatch with the 24 uh, once maybe twice but um i've been consistently getting anywhere between 180 190 and that is mostly to do with me changing my technique to that more Denisov style snatch um or at least It feels it doesn't look exactly like that, but the feeling is when I see him do it, that's the feeling I'm going for. Um so you know, body types notwithstanding. And so when you when you look at the change in numbers, it's not like my grip strength or grip endurance got you know twenty five percent better from when I was doing one fifty to one ninety. Right. It had so much more to do with the technique. And actually there is some literature done mainly by a lab in Europe, um, where they actually looked at the correlation between grip strength, absolute grip strength of kettlebell athletes and their snatch numbers. And, um, there was no correlation between the strongest grip and, uh, the best snatch numbers made no difference. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, there's (laughs) that, um, that adds to, so that adds to our understanding of, you know, what's important? Yeah. You know, one of the things I think is
1: is interesting is I would – it would be very interesting to see, you know, if you followed lifters, you know, through their progression and really kept an eye on how their numbers progressed, you know, went up and went down and back up or whatever, it would be interesting to see how much, how much of that change – comes from you know the big major technical changes and how much of it comes from the the more uh you know the more specific changes like i know for myself one of the biggest things for me was (sighs) there was a video out recently but it was just the idea of regret um now, I know for myself, it's never been, you know, where in drop I'm regripping, like the actual position. It's always been where my torso is. Basically, if I, if for myself, if I was more, if I was, uh, you know, I call it ahead of the bell, like I'm chasing the bell down and at the bottom once i have that weight in my hand fully and i'm hitting it if if i wasn't kind of chest up that bell was coming to a much more uh, a sharper turn at the bottom and it was therefore putting more stress on my hand so it was less about you know at what point i was regripping in terms of you know the actual drop but it was more about where was i in relation to that regrip,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So it was like if I regripped, and I was too far forward with my chest, instead of me grabbing that weight and then my arm just countering, you know, the bell counterbalancing against myself as it swings back, it would be taking, and I would be having to actively hold that handle, you know, and actually dealing with that downward slowdown of the force because my arm wouldn't be, you know, fully straightened and i would have to control it more instead of it just swinging naturally back so it's it's little things like that 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 i find you know like you said it's it's that little bit of a rocking motion that gets you that got you through that hump now what did that change probably not that much from you know like from an actual uh mechanical standpoint but it made enough of that change that it that it gave you, you know, the extra 30 40 reps that you were looking for or whatever, 40 50 reps, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's just that little bit of a, of grip efficiency, it's that technical efficiency that just cleans things up. You know, it's less wear, it's, you know, there's less pulling on the calluses, there's less pulling on the hands.
0: It's it's a like I say, it's it's a nuanced lift, and um, so we're talking about drills. But at the same time, um, the exercise itself. Now we said, can we get better at the snatch by just performing snatches? You said, of course, but um, it's probably not going to get you to your ceiling. Um, you know, your optimal, your not optimal, but your the your maximum performance, basically. Um, and that is, yeah. that is basically exactly what Raf and Merrick, uh, my Olympic weightlifting coaches said is that, you know, Merrick was like, absolutely. You can get better at snatch by just doing snatch, but you're not going to maximize your potential. And so, and that might be more pertinent to the advanced lifter, but so coming back around to the snatch, um, And and adding on to what you said about, well, there's a difference between practicing and practicing is not necessarily practicing because there's deliberate practice. And then there's just going through the motions, basically. So for me, even the movement itself, even though I might just go into the gym and do some snatches, I might be going in with a specific purpose where I'm trying to I've identified a problem in my technique. And in so doing the movement, I am actively working on, um, ameliorating that issue. So I remember doing the, um, a workshop with Artur Sasek, uh, the Ukraine head coach. Um, and he was, um, telling me that my insertion wasn't deep enough. And I was like, what are you talking about? 45 degree angle. It's across the heel of the palm. How much deeper can it get? And it might be, again, one of those nuanced things, and it might not seem like it, but he was right. I could get deeper. Um, And so that's the other thing that, for me personally, has made a big difference in being able to get as much relaxation as possible in my forearm, particularly overhead, is just putting in that extra little bit of focus ahead of time leading up to high fixation where I'm driving my hand in as deep as possible. Because that little bit of energy that you put forward to get to, you know, that extra little bit of focus that you put in during the upswing pays out dividends throughout the rest of your 10 minute set. At least that's what I very much have come to understand now. Oh, yeah. And that's just yeah, doing sure. the lift itself. It's not doing a specific drill necessarily It's doing the lift, yeah. but doing it a certain way and identifying an issue. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think similar with cleans, right. Um, you know, cleans it's, it, it, it's absolutely true. Like, you know, if, if you come out with, if there's an efficiency, if there's an efficiency number, amount of output, energy output, At the beginning, if you use just even you know one point more at the beginning, it's gonna bite you at the end. You know, Uh, I I mean that's just an arbitrary no unit attached to, but you know it's it's just simply how it is. Absolutely, you can't. You know, if you're if you're having to expend just that little bit amount more energy, that little bit amount more focus. at the start, um, you know, for me, it's it's always just been, it's really, really focusing on those first 30, 40 reps, you know, and, and, and I know that this is kind of moving away from the training of it, but from that mindset, and that's where it just comes back to efficiency and proficiency, you know, and those are things that you can't get by you know deadlifting they're not things that you can get by doing farmers carries or things like that those are things that you have to get under the bell you know and that's why that's why my primary focus with snatching is snatching Mm
0: -hmm. you know um you You had I i remember you saying um i don't remember where this was but you had it may have been after Nationals in uh Edmonton um at the bar when we were getting all loaded. Especially <laughs> you or you were just you were so far gone.
1: I don't remember that. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um I'm just busting your balls. Uh b- <laughs> but I recall you mentioning how Dennis Vasiliev had made a change in his technique and it made a, uh, you know, a difference in his reps of, you know, uh, you know, it's not really modest when you're thinking of the weights that he's, you know, when you, that you guys are lifting the the pro weights, uh, that's heavy stuff. Um, uh, but even a improvement of maybe like 10 reps, I don't remember how much it was by. And, uh, do you remember what technical change that he made?
1: Yeah. So that was, so that was something that I really watched, uh, with him for long cycle, Right. Um, is that, you know, he went from, and I mean, he's, you know, that's, I think the cool thing about him is that here's a guy who, I mean, he's been master sport international class, Russian champion for how many years, right? A guy that, you know, he was low eighties, mid eighties, you know, he was always kind of flirting into those high-ish eighties, and then it sort of seemed like somewhere i mean i can't remember exactly when but uh the biggest change that i saw in him was he went from that high clean elbow drop into the rack where he started cleaning directly into the rack and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i mean i don't know what came first cuz i started doing that too but uh you know maybe he did it first maybe i did it first i don't know we'll you know, who knows, right? But <laughs> um but that was something that I that I as well started to really work on. But you know, he went from it just seemed like he was he went from kind of that where he'd be low eighties, mid eighties, and then he, he made that change where he started going directly into the rack and then all of a sudden it was you know, it was mid eighties, high eighties, and then it was flirting with nineties. You know, and, and now is and now it's up, right? Now he's kinda gone into the nineties and then as well, you know, doing hundred a couple of times at some yeah. um smaller meets. Um and I mean, but you know, even he and now he's making more changes, right? Like he's moving away from, you know, locking the fingers onto the handle. So, you know, a guy at that level who's already at the top is is in himself making small changes. Now I don't think the high clean to the elbows to the rack is a small change. That's a pretty big change. Um, And I think that that was a, that was a, you know, I think that's a big change that he made. It was made a big difference in my lifting. Why do you think think he was doing it?
0: Because he's been coached by um, Roshinsky. Hasn't he been for like the longest time? Roshinsky doesn't do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it was just, um, you know it's just the way that felt right, you know, and I think that's the thing I mean everybody has their has their variations right um you know some guys some guys some gals you know supinate do the thumbs back and and then they make a change and it makes a big difference um i, I honestly don't know what kind of spurred that on um but it it was definitely something that uh that you can totally see, like you go back and watch videos from 2010 compared to probably 2013, 2014, definitely, but probably 2013, maybe 2012. And there's a, there's a change just even in, in that, where he went from basically high clean right off the bat to straight into the rack. And, you know, I guess it's when things work, things work and you don't want to mess around with them too much you know?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And then all of a sudden you're starting to go, okay, I want, I want this number. Now you got to start making those changes, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Now you say he's making uh, some more minute changes now. Do you think that's stemming more from maybe some self doubt, even though, you know, why should he be doubting himself? But Do you think that stems more from self-doubt or he's actually trying to make improvements in those numbers?
1: Well, I think what he's trying to do is he's just trying to clean things up, you know, Um, for lack of a better. He's just trying to make it like he's trying to make 90, 90 plus even cleaner than it than it is. You know what I mean? Um, so he's trying to improve upon the proficiency. Now, is that going to result in bigger numbers? I
0: guess that remains to be seen, right? Um, I could see um, avoiding locking the fingers, cutting down even a modest amount of time that might help him fit in another rep or two um, total. Yeah, Do you think, I mean... Because that's kind of the difference would, between doing the pendulum swing and doing just the... uh the squat style swing, uh, for long cycle, if you do a squat style, you get back into the rack a lot faster.
1: Yes, but a heck of a lot more wear and a heck of a lot more fatigue on the legs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's the problem I think with long cycle is that it's such, you know, it's just a big lactic builder. It's a big acid builder. So it, uh, burns the quads out, as much as yeah, of course you still have your hands to deal with, but yeah, your legs play a lot there, and not very many guys do a do a squat style swing, right? No. Like in the, in the clean or gals, not to sorry, yeah. um, but you know I think I think he's trying to just be more balanced. He's trying to he's just trying to fine tune so that. Cause, cause even still, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I, I haven't watched, I can't recall his, the set where he did 113 or whatever with the 28s. Um But, uh, you know, he, he oftentimes still goes to a higher clean as fatigue sets in. Right. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, yeah. Okay. So if he can get to 80 without going to the high clean, and then he can, you know, then he do, does those last 10 or does those last 15 with a high clean. Well, what if this change can get him to, you know, 85 or 88 without the high clean? And then, you know, then he adds those 10 or 15 on top of that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Because I don't, I mean, Denisov did 116. So in terms of time, there is time to find those reps. And I don't think it's necessarily the finger lock. It's just being able to get yourself back in position to be able to do that jerk. And that's where I think he's trying to clean up the amount of time he has to use at the end of the set. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the elephant in the room where there's improvement to be made. Through pharmaceutical <laughs> tactics. Um, yeah, I mean. But we won't go there. Yeah. Uh, but it <laughs> exists. Um, yes. I want to mention uh, Tashlinoff, You know which lifter I'm talking about? Ilya Tashlinoff Yes.
1: Tashlanov. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, one thing I noticed with him is that he gets way up onto the toes in the first dip, like his heels are are way off the floor in the first dip much in the same way how if you go through the laboratory of champions manual um his name escapes me now who's who's lab of champions which guy am you I you mean talking? arsene yeah Ar, um arsene um yep. he talks about that spring effect where in the first dip you get onto the toes and you and you rely on the kind of elastic build up in the quads so anterior leg Uh, rather than kind of sitting with a, you know, dropping with a flat foot and then driving with the whole foot and then up onto the toes for that initial liftoff. More than anyone else, Tashlinov gets like way onto the toes in that first dip, and it works for him and he's so explosive. But I mean, that's one of those things where it's like in kettlebell sport. Well, in the first dip, do you allow your, your heels to leave the floor or should you be dropping into a more stable position from which to create that initial drive?
1: Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's always, that's definitely challenging. I mean, I think he certainly, uh, he is, uh, Tarshlanov. He is definitely, you know, in my opinion, he's a, he's outside of standard deviation, you know, <laughs> um, just in that like you say i mean i don't know i don't think that there's a more explosive lifter um in kettlebell sport um now maybe uh, i'm not as up on some of the newer guys but he is i mean he is so fast and Mm -hmm. he has got you know more pop than anybody i mean he he's not he's not got a super deep second dip like a lot of guys um he's just explodes up and i think that that's probably you know it's those two things are likely you know symptoms of each other you know that not having a super deep second dip which is probably forcing him in some ways to have more speed because you know he's got to get quicker to the lockout or he's going to be doing more you know just more time under tension there mm-hmm. Um, and, but maybe, but as well, because he's getting that speed from that, maybe that heal up on the first dip, you know, it's allowing him to be able to do those things. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like cause and effect symptoms of, but you know, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that is, he's so fast. Um, like and I, uh, yeah. One of the f- fastest guys out there, in my opinion, you know,
0: yeah. Now you don't have a very uh-huh. a deep second dip either or do you do you agree with that or do you think that your dip is your second dip is but, average no. or di- no? My,
1: my second dip is not good.
0: <laughs> no. You uh, think there's there's work to be done there?
1: Well, there's definitely some work that could be done,
0: yes. Um do you find I it think- a challenge to to change that to I guess make it deeper?
1: Yes. And a a big part of it for me really is just it's like it's overhead mobility slash flexibility. Um, It's when I get when I get really deep, it ends up being just a ton of stress on my back. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, again, uh, and that's not because the second a deep second dip is inherently bad for me. It's just that I don't have the requisite you know, flexibility to be able to really do it and uh, without the bells getting out too far in front of me or without me having to arch out mm-hmm. really big. Um, you know, my heels tend to come up in my first dip, but that's not something that I actively do. I uh, I don't have great dorsiflexion, um, especially on my right ankle, so I think it's that's just more of a natural tendency for myself.
0: And do you do drills um, to correct or mitigate that like do you do four point jerk do you do some ankle mobility stuff do you do it right before a session uh uh i'm not (laughs) this this is is where you might if you if you had your own coach kind of barking in your ears saying okay you gotta do this because (laughs) right now your second dip is subpar and it ain't cutting it
1: Yeah, I definitely, uh, I can be honest with you, though. I personally don't do slow jerk. Okay. I don't do the full point jerk. Um, but I think, you know, for myself, it's that, that long overhead position does not feel good for me. Um, so again, it's not that it's a bad drill. It just, I don't find myself getting the benefit from it. Mm Um, it, it it gets into my head. It uh, it puts doubt into my head, and that uh, drill. It rem- it gets, yeah, like for me, it uh, it gets me away from the speed that I that I look for in my jerk. Um, so you know, that's where I, that's what I like to like me personally. It's not that I that I avoid my weaknesses, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to detriment my strengths, you know what I mean?-hmm um, just, just to do a drill well is all I'm saying. like you know, for me personal,
0: okay. Uh, that's actually one of these specific drills that I use to help me address um, trying to curb the, get the heels coming up in the first dip. So I'll specifically yep. practice, you know, dropping down into that first dip and locking that bottom position and trying to create more or less, um, that muscle memory of this is how far I can dip before my heels leave yep. the ground. Um, because for yep. me personally, I find that pressing with my whole foot gets the job done a lot better for me. And I find a shallower for, cause I tend to, to first dip deeper than, um, I think is good for my overall numbers. So I try yeah. to make an effort consciously to uh, do a shallow first dip because I find that my pop after that is a lot better. Um, yeah. Cause I, either it's a, it's it, 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 whether it's my heels coming up or it's my pelvis sliding a bit more forward than it should. And so I can't really get as much hip pop because I'm already so far out of position with my hips that I can't quite get that pop vertical. Um and then yeah. overhead, it's interesting because you know, you look at a uh Gearvoy rack position uh from the side angle and especially if you know Slava, uh you know, it can look pretty uh <laughs> backbreaking. But the funny thing is rack is not what bothers my back. It's that overhead fixation in the second dip where I find myself overextending and uh, compressing the posterior uh, aspects of my discs. And so part of when I do my four point jerk, I'm also practicing correcting my pelvic position in that second dip to, again, create that muscle memory of this is where my spine needs to be when I land in that second dip. Um, so far it hasn't been a hundred percent consistent when put into practice, but, um, so far I feel like it's been more or less helping. And it's really the only thing that, you know, I can really think of right now. That's going to help me correct that. Uh, so, but, um, and then the other thing that I'll do that, which doesn't necessarily apply directly to the four point jerk, but it's actually something that I did kind of steal from you was that I had found that... Now, I I don't know. I've never considered my shoulders to be all that mobile, but um, I have found myself trying to reach too far back when going overhead, yeah. and what ends up happening yeah, yeah. is that because I'm running into my chromium, my my uh, humerus... Is there a plural on that? Humeri? My humeruses yeah. are getting forced outward, which is causing my elbows to bend, and I'm just getting a really shitty overhead position. And so what I started doing was making the habit of actually looking up like I've seen you do a lot for when you go into overhead. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. keeping an eye on where my arms are in relation to my body. And I'm actually making an effort to keep them slightly forward, which when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because the kettlebells are loaded on the back of the forearm, which means that you don't need to be as far back with the arms as you would with maybe a dumbbell or a barbell because the majority of the load is actually because it's on the back of the forearm is, uh, is, yeah. is, in a, is in a more optimal position, even with your arms slightly forward. And I found that by keeping my arms slightly forward, than I think I, then I instinctively think I should place them. I'm actually finding my shoulders a bit more relaxed when I hit that high fixation, which is really weird. Cause I don't feel like I'm hitting alignment and feeling like I'm hitting balance and feeling like I can just you know, have the skeletal system supporting the weight when I'm that far forward, but it feels like it is. It feels a lot better.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, uh, you know, it it is, it's something that, that I, that I've kind of had to not had to, but that I've also, like you say, I've worked that into, it's fairly well grooved into my technique that you know, I, I like to do a lot of side on just to get a good idea, get a good view of where I am positionally. And I, you know, I try not to do a big, you know, like a big, uh, real big, like head arching back and that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But absolutely, I like I like uh I kind of pick a point up that I look at and it just reminds me it gets my chest up nice and tall in that overhead position. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to find it find that overhead kind of in that upper lumbar lower thoracic i'm trying to find it more gradually throughout the entirety of my of my back you know and not overly stressing you know a smaller segment Mm -hmm. so you know it's something like trying to think about keeping my ribs from completely flaring out when i'm overhead yeah you know and and, and then like you say just trying to get into the getting into a nice overhead position to what feels right not what you know somebody tells me is right
0: now all of the other drills that i do uh the swing drills that i do for snatch uh, have application for cleans because it's still necessary that you bring your hips all the way through and stuff but one thing that i've um, uh, uh, not an epiphany, but maybe a realization I've had with the cleans is making a conscious effort to try and get the bells kind of floating up towards the hips and then me catching them with, with the hips in the sense of not over controlling the bells as I bring them in, but really getting that sense of flipping them up with the hips, getting some airtime and catching them on the hips And that's something that I feel has helped me get into the rack with a more relaxed shoulder position. And uh, in other words, typically a better rack position in general. Um, Because one thing I also find is that coming back into the rack from the jerk never feels as good rack-wise as when I'm entering it from the clean. Uh, Now, things that I incorporate to accomplish that is actively getting a bit more shoulder shrug, both out of the rack and then back up into the rack. And that seems to help me get that really relaxed shoulder position and just kind of letting the arms kind of flop into place and catching them with the hips. Is that something that you try?
1: Yeah, no, I totally, I, I absolutely get that. Um, I know like for myself, it's trying to... <clears throat> It's as much as it's much as possible trying to maintain that arms or chains kind of feeling in the pull. So, like for me personally, when I'm dropping from, you know, I'm not I'm not doing a huge lean away, um, but usually, yeah, I like I like to do just a little bit of a shrug, just to kind of give that little bit of a. Um, just a, almost a sense of weightless as I toss the elbows over, you know, not away, but just turn them over mm-hmm. and kind of give that little bit of a counter. And then, like you say, counter pulling back up and then just fl- flipping them into place. And I know for myself, when I'm feeling on, it just happens. Sure. Sure. But like when I'm really working it, I'm really thinking. I'm almost thinking on the way up is that, like you say, I don't think necessarily for myself, I don't think shoulder shrug, but I think, I think kind of shoulders back. And, And what that does for me is it just reminds me, it gets me thinking about pulling the bells back into my body and not just vertical um and where that has made a big difference in the past is again it's not the first five six seven minutes or eight minutes it's the last two minutes where it's made a difference Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because when i've lost that you know that real good fine control of my hand because the grip is wearing little bit you know my forearms are getting a little bit tight um i don't have as much of that wrist control say it's in that moment when i'm doing that kind of throwing my shoulders back a bit and pulling those bells back towards me that it just puts them it inserts them way better rather than when i'm just flipping them overhead which feels fantastic Mm -hmm. like i say for the first five minutes six minutes seven minutes um like in vancouver you know here i felt good for six minutes and 45 seconds and i felt like crap for three minutes and 15 you know and uh but it was because like i didn't have that pattern grooved of how to get those bells back into the body and racking them when i was tired when my hands weren't working properly Whereas you know, in the past when I've been training that, I've I've been a lot better with it, and yeah, like it gets you racked a lot better. It gets you in a better, you know, you're just more relaxed. It's less hand where there's less thought process in your head. You're just boom throwing them up and they land. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just everything is so much more. It's simpler.
0: Um, For me, I feel like. Now it's really good to video your sets and and do your own uh it's better if you have a coach but to do your own self analysis on on your lifts but I find that me trying to fix that and getting that weightlessness and getting just a nice kind of uh catch um is something that I had to figure out by actually comparing video of how I do it to say how you do it because I'll watch you and your arc is so tight. It's just tight. It's like there's no arm effort at all and you just snap right up to vertical and they just, the elbows are like already there and you just land it and it's perfect. Um, and then I'll watch mine and it's like, well, from the outside looking in, it looks really smooth and it looks like I'm doing it right, but it almost looks like it's too smooth as though my arms are helping to guide the bells. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was realizing was that it was still coming up a little bit too high and then landing down because I was kind of carrying them up and then bringing them in as yeah. comfortable as possible. So, yeah. um, so I had to, I only figured that out by looking at other people's video and maybe other people will, listening to this. will have, uh, help comparing themselves to other people's videos as well. So let's move on from that one. And I want to mention the bump. The bump is like a classic accessory lift that I never do because (laughs) I can't figure it out. (laughs) Um, but part of that stems from me having to figure out my rack position initially and just figuring out, well, how do I need to do a bump and, and where's the effort from the bump coming from? And, am I happy with where it's at yet? And, and constantly changing my belt position and all that crap, because all of that's going to affect presumably how you're doing your bump. Um, what is the purpose and what is the idea behind doing the, the bump? Is this a movement where you're practicing the lift off and you're actively using the arms And working them in a physical way. And getting them to adapt to that stress. Or are you trying to take the arms completely out of it. And get a feeling of weightlessness as they go up. Or what's the whole idea. Or is this a Soviet (sighs) secret. That you're just not going (laughs) to.
1: Yeah right. Well honestly. I have. uh, I've seen. Bumps by different lifters. I've seen some lifters. Where it's almost like. That you know, it's like you know how some people do that little uh bouncing squat, you know, oh uh back squat where they're just up on the toes, up on the toes, up on the toes. I've seen some people do it like that, where really all it is is just that really it's just the first dip and then up to the up on the toes. Um, I've seen some where it'll be almost like almost say like half of the jerk like half of the lift um, where there is a little bit more of that arm effort. Um, me, again, I go back to myself. It's all about, like, yes, it's it's legs. You know, it's a pretty big – it's a good leg burn. Um, if you're really, really concentrating on being in that right rack position, and especially, you know, if you are pushing that pace a little bit more as well, you know, doing – 20 reps a minute for a minute and a half, two minutes kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good leg burn. So it's a nice way to finish that off without having to deal with that overhead stress. Um, but also still reminding you to get back to that, that starting point. And again, that's what I use it for. It's about getting, it's about getting into the, the, that starting point of the jerk as quickly as possible
0: um so is it required then is it required then that when you come down from the bump that you have to land it right in your optimal rack position
1: for me i that's my goal is my goal is to get into place bang just like it uh, like as if it were a drop from the overhead That's what that's what my goal is, Um, because I think it's all it's all about just grooving that pattern so that you don't you just get tolerant to that sensation, that feeling of your elbows sliding in there, the weight on the back of your wrist, the way that it feels on your legs. without having to necessarily then go all the way up overhead you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um i I think that's that's the thing and i mean not everybody does it not just like not everybody does swing snatch or just like not everybody does glove snatch Um, but i think there is there there can be a place um but i do think for a lot of people it's just You know, when they're using it sort of arbitrarily, it's just like another, it's just more exercise. Not necessarily really building on something specific, um, even though I think it does have that role. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for me, it's that fast, explosive little bump. And then it's, you know, (laughs) obviously that's what it's called. But, you know, that fast bump. And then it's just that real nice, tight landing. That's what it is. And it's, and it's just getting, you know, like I always talk about, it's all about getting back to zero for myself. It's about getting back to that position where I am ready to lift as quickly as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, even though, even though you got all the time in the world to bounce around, you know what I mean? Like you shouldn't um, just like, yeah, I mean, I mean, you and I, we've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. It's like, well, well, what's so bad about the side rack? You know, if you're only going five reps a minute or six reps a minute for jerks, then what's so bad about the side rack? I mean, you got plenty of time, you know, you're only doing one rep every 10 seconds. you got tons of time to side rack. So what's so bad about it? Well, it's because you're getting away from where you should be. You know, I think it's, you're, you're giving into kind of that, that mental, uh, weakness for lack of a better, not sticking where you need to be. And and it's just those kinds of things. And that's what I use the bump for is it's it's like, Hey, this, this hurts. It's the end of my session. You know, I've already done, you know, whatever, 10, 12, 14 minutes of jerks. It's the end of my session. I'm standing on these things for two minutes. It's high pace. It's get back to get back to zero. And uh, that's, I think that's it's a big part of it right is it's not letting it, it's getting yourself comfortable with being in you know those positions we know we should
0: be in is there a, can you possibly do it wrong where it makes it worse because sometimes i feel like that's what happens when i do it
1: well i think i think the thing of it is is it is it's where like where it's not helpful or where it can be, you know, a negative or a detriment is when you, when you're, again, like I say, when you're doing the lift, when you're doing the bumps, just for simply for the sake of doing bumps, you know, it's not about building on your, your technique. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, if you're doing your bumps and they're complete and, you know, you're using a different rack position or you're doing your bump and you're you know and this is just a generalized but you know you're you're setting your belt differently or whatever it is then i think you know you're losing out on on some of those benefits right cuz cuz you're you, you know you're trying to build on your technique but it's not the same as your technique
0: that's just what i was so, thinking just now was that um you got to know why you're doing it for it to work You can't just do it because you saw someone else do it. And with all my other drills, I know exactly why I'm doing it, why I want to do it, what I'm working on. Same thing going back to just practicing the snatch itself, but focusing on that one specific part of it or that one specific thing, trying to get that insertion a little bit deeper, knowing exactly why you're doing it. And that can be the, the, the whole difference.
1: Exactly. Like, like if you're just going to do 10 minutes of snatches, because you know, you want to throw the bell overhead 140 times. Well, okay. But I mean, if if that's all, if that's what you're thinking, then that's, then it's like, that's 10 minutes of cardio, you know, and you could jump on an air bike. You could jump on, you can go on the treadmill, you can go on a rower and wear yourself out, you know, and get your heart rate up for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But if your goal is to, you know, if you, if, if your goal is to do 180 snatches, Doing 140 snatches, yeah. I mean, it might have a place, but at the same time, you, there's a reason why you probably didn't do 180 snatches in that lift. You know, it's because you're you're worrying more about throwing the bell overhead than you are worrying about how you should be putting the bell overhead. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, okay, at a place, at a point, there's a time when just doing work will do it. You know that uh, you can, you know, throw, uh, throw 10 things at the wall at the start. Some, at least one of them is going to work, you know what I mean? And that's the thing, but once you get to a certain point, you know, once you get to kind of that potential that is in innate in you, you're going to have to do something to improve upon that. And uh, that's where being much more deliberate about your practice.
0: Mhm. All right. Well, I think that just about sums it up at least for today. Yeah. Uh yep. so um yeah, we covered a lot of ground there. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss uh multiple ways that you can improve your technique through progressions and drills and and uh maybe even more importantly mental psychological aspects to it and exactly how you go about implementing those drills and being mindful of what you're doing and the importance of knowing why you're doing something before you do it definitely all right well you've got charlie Fernelli's endorsement right there and uh (laughs) i want to thank you all for listening to ballistic strength radio this has been another successful episode and i hope to do it again soon all right talk to you all right thanks charlie have a good night bud you bet thank you